to the Food for Thought podcast, the podcast where we take you behind the headlines of the food and beverage manufacturing industry. I'm your host, Erin Hallstrom. In today's episode, I talk with Andy Drennan, Senior Vice President at the Food Processing Suppliers Association. Throughout the next half hour, we talk about skills training, the skills gap, and how the food and beverage industry can attract new talent. Enjoy the episode, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast streaming app. Andy Drennan, thank you so much for being on the Food for Thought podcast with me today. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Erin. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, it is an absolute pleasure. Um, You recently wrote something for the food processing website about the business value of workforce training, a topic that we definitely cover a lot with food processing. In your writing, you mentioned that some of your members couldn't see the importance of offering more training to their employees. Why do you think they responded that way? You know, Erin, uh, I, I was kind of playing devil's advocate there. Uh, mind you, I don't think that people that think that way in the association, I don't think that's the majority of companies out there at all. I, I think most companies are interested in the training and professional development of their employees. Uh, and in fact, since, since announcing the 180 Skills Training Program and working with our SME groups, I've been impressed with what some companies are doing to train their employees. Um, however, that said, there, there are some companies who are a little too focused on today's priorities to look ahead to see the value that today's training will bring to their companies. I totally get why that is. They're busy, but you know, honestly, looking at the statistics specifically pertaining to employees and their desire to have uh, employers invest in them, You know, if the current employer doesn't see how important that is, I hate to say it, but they're going to be losing employees. I can definitely see where that would happen. What are your thoughts on the suggestion that offering additional professional development training is essentially paying people to eventually leave your company? Um, You know, that's a really good question. Um, but, But I would argue that by not training them, they are more likely to leave based on the LinkedIn survey that I based my article. Um, you know, I've seen a couple statistics. Let me just quote them here. Um, this, this LinkedIn survey, 40% of employees leave their job within the first year unless they receive training and education from their employer. That 40%, that's having lost employees in the past for different reasons, that, that's a huge number. Um, Another huge number, uh, 74% of employees feel that uh, they're not reaching their full potential unless they receive training from their employer. So um, those, those statistics um, really uh, tell you what employees want. Uh, in the case where uh, the employer is not training them, well now, you know, according to those statistics, those employees are going to leave. It might not be today, it might not be tomorrow, but at some point they're going to leave and now you have a job vacancy, which is in this industry, that's a big challenge. And uh, candidates 
to fill the position likely want professional development opportunities also. So you're back with the same problem. Now, if you flip that around and the company is training them, uh, you have an employee who is better prepared for their job and happier that your company invested in them to make that happen, making them a more productive employee. Uh, might they leave in the future? Sure, that's a possibility, obviously. Uh, nothing's forever, but from my point of view, investing in employees is more likely to keep them at your company longer, which is, is the true benefit there. So let's take a deeper dive kind of back into that lack of enthusiasm, for lack of a better word, to offer additional training. How is that impacting food and beverage manufacturers and their suppliers? Uh, the, the COVID pandemic is a really good example. Um, we are, uh, for these seven months, we've gotten a lot of feedback from our members who are typically suppliers to the industry um, of the need to increase automation uh, to basically work with fewer employees if you can um, for the main reason that, you know, employees were getting sick, you needed uh, social distancing, so you needed uh, the equipment to run as quickly as it was with fewer employees if possible. Now, the, the members of the Food Processing Suppliers Association, that's, that's what they want to hear. They're, they're experts at uh, improving production, at speeding up uh, processing lines. Um, they can do that. That's not a problem. But uh, the, the typical uh, food manufacturer, can their staff uh, provide maintenance on that equipment? Uh, especially with, with the new technologies coming out, can they keep up with that? I would argue it's really hard to keep up with that if you're not training your staff uh, on you know, uh, technical skills. Uh, and that's, that's why I think it's so important, uh, whether you are a manufacturer or an equipment manufacturer, a supplier, um, to, to, to be training your staff so that they are ready for tomorrow's opportunities. You just brought up a really good point that I want to pull out for the purposes of this next part of the conversation, and that's skills training. Do you have a breakdown of the industry by generation? Um, that's the first part of the question. And how much of the industry are we going to need to replace in the next 10 to 15 years? But I'm really curious about that, that skills training aspect. And, you know, we've come from generations of folks who have known how to fix the machines and moving into, like you said, this automation. And, you know, we're, we're going to lose a generation of people who've been doing this. So if you could speak to, if you have that breakdown of the industry by generation and how much are we going to need to replace? Yeah, that's, that's an excellent question, Erin. Uh, um, and honestly, I, I don't have the breakdown for the food and beverage industry. However, um, you know, I just wrote an article for our newsletter yesterday, and um, I – you know, talking about the baby boomer generation that is retiring, you know, they started retiring for the most part in 2012. So we're eight years into it. And 
according to, I think it was Forbes, uh, it said 47% of the baby boomers have retired already. Um, I look at it the other way. That means 53% of our workforce, uh, or not our workforce, 53% of the baby boomers um, will be retiring over the next, what, eight to 10 years? That's a lot of people we're going to be losing. Uh, I don't know where uh, the food and beverage industry stands uh, with regards to baby boomers, but I do have some personal experience. And, and um, you know, I've been in the industry for 20 years now, and I've watched how attendees at our trade shows have changed over the years. You know, back in 2000, I, I was one of the young ones on the floor. Uh, I had a lot more hair, and none of it was gray. Um, but now you, you do see, when you go to the, the Process Expo, you do see a lot of gray hair out there. And it's, it's very common to have people that you've known all this time telling you goodbye because they're retiring. Um, so I, I think uh, our industry has been, uh, has been hit by the retirement of the baby boomers. Um, I think it will continue to get hit. But um, I, I have to say, uh, it has been a pleasure to watch uh, the new generation, the millennials, coming into this industry. Uh, we launched uh, the FPSA Young Professionals Group oh, uh, three years ago. And I have to tell you, it's an impressive collection of professionals. Uh, they're very tech savvy. And w one thing that I really like about them, they're not constrained to the way things used to be. Uh, in this Young Professionals Group, we you can already see who tomorrow's leaders are. And, and I assure you, we're going to be in good hands. Uh, it's just a matter of getting the critical mass uh, in, this, in this next generation to uh, take up the torch from the, the baby boomers. That is exciting news, and it's good to hear. I agree. I'm, I don't know about you. I am that sandwiched, forgotten generation. I'm a Gen Xer. And yeah, me too. Yes. <laughs> Uh, you know, that, that X, that generation so exciting that we don't even have a real name. We're just a letter. Um, <laughs> and, yes, I will say in covering the industry as I have, it is very exciting and promising to see the up-and-coming generations and how they have embraced things. And I agreed with the kind of abandoning the just because something was done this way before doesn't mean we need to do it this way going forward. And that attitude, I think, is going to help not only the industry, or not only the companies, but the industry as a whole. So yeah. let's you know, not, not to interrupt you, but uh, I completely agree with what you just said. And one thing that I've learned is the food and beverage industry uh, has been more conservative than most industries. Um, they, they, in a lot of respects, they, they didn't want to change. Um, however, uh, those are not the times anymore. And I think uh, the, certainly Generation X um, and uh, the Millennials, they, they are not phased by change to the degree that the baby boomers were. And so as we start to 
really see radical change within the industry. I think you know they're they're not going to be uh, intimidated by it. So I, 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 like I said, I'm excited to see what they can do. I want to move on and talk about from skills training to the skills gap. What from what you've seen, what does the industry need the most training on? There's there's really no doubt in my mind. In fact, this is what I wrote about yesterday for our newsletter. Um, the skills gap, the, 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 the biggest one, is that we need more certified technicians. No, no question about that. Uh, as equipment gets more sophisticated, we need technicians that can keep up with technology and keep our lines running. When you look at line speeds in today's food industry, no one can afford to be down. So having trained technicians who can troubleshoot and solve problems quickly is critical for us. Now, one factor that is complicating the issue for us is that I would say for the last 40 years uh, in the United States, we've really focused on getting a university education, and we have downplayed uh, vocational and technical education. Um, I just, uh, let's see, I pulled some data from Department of Education yesterday about this, and over the last, ooh, I want to say, 12 years, um, uh, Department of Education has uh, appropriated uh, a certain amount of money for voc vocational technical education. In the last 12 years, that allocation, has, that appropriation has only increased by less than 1% in real dollars. Less than 1%. Um, I've I've been I, I've worked with a lot of Germans in my career, and to see where their vocational education is so professional, um, it really is impressive. And I think that's what we need to get to. And actually, uh, the Food Processing Suppliers Association, you know, we introduced our uh, let's see the Food Industry Technician Certification Program, uh, which works with uh, the the Lincoln Tech uh, in Indianapolis. And so we are training tomorrow's technicians. And we're now in our third class uh, that we're graduating. And we can't graduate enough students at a time because the food manufacturers that work with us, they are snapping up those students. The suppliers that are members of the association, they snap up those students. We need to scale it up. Um, but it takes time because uh, our members donate the equipment uh, to the FIT program. And uh, we, we just, you know, this, this uh, program has been active for, I would say now it's, it's, we're in our second year. So we're moving pretty quickly. We're moving as fast as we can. But the need in the food and beverage industry is so great, both for food manufacturers and for suppliers, that um, I, we've actually had a, a prominent food manufacturer that told us they would, they would hire every one of our technicians coming out of the graduating class uh, last year if, if, if we would allow them, which obviously we can't. They're, they're limited. So we're trying to uh, work with, with all of the companies that are involved. But that by far is the biggest skills gap that we, we as an industry need to address. The association is doing what it can, but the industry, um, I'm sure any 
food processor or supplier that's hearing this is probably shaking their head, yes, that's, that's my biggest concern. It definitely seems from almost a external to the industry perspective, marketing that aspect of, hey, you know, post, post high school, in, you know, if you're in your 20s, mid-20s, 30s, you know, you're looking for a job. Maybe you got laid off from something else from, because of COVID. This seems like, yes, you get the training. It is almost a guaranteed job, if not a guaranteed job. And my hope, and you know, definitely plan to market and promote this sort of thing on our own site and our own social media, but it definitely seems like something I wish more people I, – I, I live on the outskirts of Chicago, and even though we are a man, you know, kind of grew up in a manufacturing town, and even people that – you know, the, the kids of my former classmates, I hear, oh, you know, they don't know what to do. So just hearing that, like, I want to take this and uh, put it in front of them. <laughs> Basically, what I'm Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and I think the situation is um, that generation is just not aware of these job opportunities. They're not aware of the benefit of a career in the food and beverage industry, which frankly is, is better than average. Um, we, we have a saying here in the office, you know, the food and beverage industry, we're just not sexy. <laughs> and... Um, I don't know what to do about that, but you're right. This is more of a marketing issue than anything because we need to make uh, young people aware of the opportunities that are here. In the article that you that we had you on food processing, you mentioned the and correct me if I'm saying this wrong, the 180 skills online training program. Can you? Tell me more about that, and most importantly, is it 180 skills or I, 180? I'm such a stickler when it comes for proper pronunciation, so please sure. tell me. <laughs> yeah, 180 skills is a program that we're launching. Uh, it's going to launch in uh, January uh, for FPSA members. Um, and frankly, it's an amazing online training platform that was initially designed for the aeronautics industry. Um, since then, it has expanded to include all types of manufacturing and includes over 700 courses in technical and soft skills training. Um, 700, over 700 courses. That's a bit much for the average HR person. So we have broken it down with the help of our SME groups into 26 different learning paths that um, encompass on average about seven online classes each uh, that cover critical topics for our industry. Um, these include topics like uh, lean manufacturing, quality systems and safety, automation. Uh, we've got six different learning paths for electricity. Uh, we've got pneumatics, robotics, hydraulics. And, and then we've also got soft skills such as team building, um, customer service, communication, and time management. Now, employees can take one of these learning paths, or they can take a single course a la carte from the 180 Skills Library if they want, uh, based on what em the, the employer is hoping to achieve. Um, like I said, we'll be launching this program in January, but 
already we've gotten great feedback from our members uh, that have looked at this uh, that say that uh, 180 Skills is, is a great cost-effective alternative to what they've been doing up until now. Um, you know, a little bit more about the, the program itself. Uh, typically it takes about an hour to complete each course, and then you're given a test. Um, you have to get all the answers correct, which proves to the employer that their worker truly has mastered the topic. In the case that the employee has an incorrect answer, the system goes back and provides guidance on the lesson and then allows the person to answer another question and, and gives them the opportunity to show that they've mastered it. Uh, when the course is done, uh, the, the, employer receives, the, the employee receives a certificate of achievement that they get to present to their employer, and the employer can keep track of that. Um, in short, you know, member companies that utilize the 180 Skills program are assured that not only are their people taking the training, but because they mastered it, they understand it and it can apply those lessons on the job, which is so critical. I'm excited to see what happens with the program. And we'll definitely, in the show notes for this particular episode, we'll include a link to it for anyone who wants to learn more. Do you have any words of wisdom to those listening who are considering a career in the food and beverage, uh, I'm going to say food and beverage manufacturing, but I mean kind of the whole, the whole group, supplier, manufacturer, what have you. Any words of wisdom, what advice would you give them? Uh, yeah. Um, for the younger people, you know, this reminds me, I had a talk recently with my son uh, who's a senior in college, and he's studying marketing. Um, and I told him that you know, there's lots of great opportunities for young people when you consider that 10,000 baby boomers retire every day. And he had never thought about that. You know, he wanted a job in the video gaming industry. Um, but last October, he attended our Process Expo, and he was just floored at all of the technology out on the floor. Um, he, he just had no concept of how this huge industry stocks our shelves every day. Um, and that walk on the show floor really opened his eyes. Uh, so I, on the one hand, I'm seeing it from the eyes of my son who's seeing it for the first time. On the other hand, you know, from my perspective, um, I, I can tell you it's a great industry. Uh, it's far more stable than most industries. We, I hate to say it, but during COVID, the food industry has actually done better in a lot of respects because we have to continue eating. Um, in addition to that, I, I tell you, there's a lot of really good people in this industry. Um, it's, it's been a pleasure to get to know them. Um, it's, a, it's a very different type of industry than what I had in the past. Um, you know, I came from selling commodity plastics to the food industry, which was rather cutthroat. Um, compare that to my, my work with the association. And it's just, uh, you know, when people tell you something, you can believe it. And um, it's, it's there, I, I can't speak highly enough about uh, the people in this industry. Uh, in addition to that, it is a truly diverse industry in terms of the, the different segments. The horizontal spectrum of the food industry, there's just so much to learn. There's so much opportunity. 
that you could be working in meat, prepared foods, beverages, um, you name it. It's, there's so many new things coming on that it really is exciting. It's, it's an exciting time for the industry. Um, when, when I go shopping, I love seeing the new products on the shelves. In some cases, knowing the challenges that went into delivering it to the consumer. So I, I think for, for young people considering this as an industry, I, it, it really is a great opportunity where um, you, you really can set yourself up for quite a career. I would completely agree. I'm the creator of the Influential Women in Manufacturing program. And throughout the course of our program, we've done numerous presentations, webinars, events, whatnot. And I know in one of the presentations, talking or speaking to the fact of, you know, food and beverage manufacturing and, and you know, all of that, if you look on your pantry shelves, everything, or your refrigerator, your pantry, everything in there was made by someone who manufactured something. And whether that's the ingredient, whether it's the label on the packaging, and in speaking to the, all of that had to come from somewhere, and all of that somewhere had to be done by people. And to, to give people who were listening to that particular event a, a real broad stroke of, you know, we don't think of manufacturing, food and beverage manufacturing, younger, I'm going to say kids, but like younger adults may not think of it. It's like, yes, but look, you know, I, I love what you say, and I think covering this industry as, we, as I have, that, yeah, this is the one of the few, very few industries that has been constant and even grown th- during the pandemic because, yeah. as you say, everyone needs food. Um, very similar, yeah, I, I sit in awe. I like walking down the grocery store uh, aisle the correct way. No. <laughs> I still follow the arrows. Um, but... Um, no, and I, I look, and I, I've been doing my job with food processing for nearly 13 years, and so I've been covering the new product introductions and the innovations for over a decade now, and I still, you know, there's a, a bit of giddiness when I see, like, oh, yes, I remember when so-and-so was innovating that, or um, the technology behind, like, HPP or something. Like, oh, yeah, I remember when that was just a blip on the radar and now, sure. you know, look at it. Um, the science and technology behind food, I think, is exciting and just all the innovations to manufacture and keep things safe and distributed even more so. So I have one last question because it sounds like we are, um, we might be fairly close in age and generation. So we're going to leave on this note, maybe presuming that people listening to this podcast might be close to our age. So <laughs> what advice do you have for those who may be more seasoned, have been in the food and beverage uh, or some realm of its supplier or otherwise, or you know, 10 to 20 years? Maybe they're getting a little tired. Maybe they're not quite sure should I invest in more train? What should I do? I'm not quite sure. What, as my final question to you, what advice 
would you give that group of people? You know, um, that, that's a really good question. Um, I, what I would say uh, to people with that type of experience, I, I, I think, you know, there are great opportunities happening for, or let's say it, our generation. <laughs> um, this, this industry really needs uh, Gen X and the employees that have been there for 10 to 15 years. Um, as the boomer generation retires, that's a lot of institutional knowledge that we need to replace, but, but with a caveat. You know, the way we produced food 20 years ago, that's in the past. You know, today we need to focus on assuring food safety with all products. 20 years ago, you might have heard that in the meat industry and the dairy industry, but you didn't hear it in other places so much. Um, something like record keeping, that's changing thanks to the Internet of Things. And, and now, you know, obviously, there's, we've got the pandemic. Some of the changes that we've made in the last seven months on the production floor, they're going to stay with us even after a vaccine is produced because on one hand, some of these changes just make sense uh, for, for production. And on the other, COVID is not the only virus out there. We don't want to be shutting down again in a few years if some logical modification to plant design and production setup can prevent that. But, but going back to your question, you know, employees with 10 to 15 years experience, you are the production experts. You are the leaders who will take your company to the next level. By keeping up with technological advances, you can stay at this level to better address tomorrow's challenges. Um, at the same time, I, I recently told someone, uh, for the employee, it's kind of a, a seller's market, and they're selling their services. So they get the opportunity knowing with all these retirements, they are in demand. But you have to keep up with your training. Um, and so you do that, it strengthens your hand within the company you work for because they want to keep you. And at the same time, maybe I shouldn't say this, but there are other companies also looking to replace their people. So they're, they're looking at people with good experience in the industry. So with that in mind, just keep, keep plowing forward, keep up on technology, and uh, you know, the opportunities are going to be there. I think that's great. So it's always be training, always be developing too. Is exactly. I know for even me, um, the sort of the industry within that I'm within um, in media, same thing. Always be, always be training or learning. And I know there's an adage that I have heard often, and I think I've even referenced it in things I've written or talked about that the Generation X is often known as the bridge generation because we are young enough to um, we're young enough to have learned technology and we are adaptable with the technology you know but we also are old enough to know analog so yeah. we have this beautiful we're in this you know, very beautiful position to understand both realms of 
we lived through something older and had to learn as part of our coming into our own in careers or in jobs, and then had to also be able to explain it. So whether it's, yes, my kids taught me how to do X, Y, Z with a certain technology or I learned it to keep up with my kids, I also explained it to my parents why it was important and why, you know, everyone wants to be on a Zoom call, let's say. I don't know. But I've heard that reference. The Gen X is the bridge generation, and that even for a lot of companies is very helpful because we are that group that can explain, has the skills to say, okay, well, I've experienced both, so I can, I can walk you through. I have that institutional knowledge. I also have that newer technology, newer opportunity knowledge, too. So I think it's great what you're saying, and it's definitely an instance where the 180 skills uh, online training program can come in handy, no matter if you are a younger generation just starting out or you are still within that, you know, Generation X, middle generation, not really, not really ready to retire generation. So, Mm -hmm. and. Andy, yeah. it has been absolutely wonderful talking to you today. Thank you so much for joining me. And we'll definitely be including information about the 180 Skills online training program in our show notes and on the website. And thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for thank listening, you, everyone. <laughs>